0: Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. 1 Corinthians verse 13, chapter 13, verse 13 said, Now these three remain, faith, hope and love. And I just felt that as we begin to uh, just, I suppose, walk our journey, continue our journey, it would be good to reflect that though we have lost Ben, there are things that remain. Faith, hope, and love. And we've been reminded in recent days as a church, as I'm sure people are all over the world, of the fragility of life. That life doesn't remain. That there is no one sitting in this room who was here 150 years ago. But there are things that still remain. And you don't need to be a Christian to have that experience. It's not only in Christians who have friends and family who pass away. Whether you're a Christian or not, you will experience that. One of the questions that arises, it talks about faith, hope, and love. We're not going to look at that in that order. But one of the questions that arises that gets exposed at a moment like this, and a moment like this for anybody in your life, if you are going through it, is where is our hope? Where is your hope? right now it's easy to answer that question with oh my hope is in god but that will be tested as to whether your hope really is in him upon what and upon whom are we putting our trust right now so i'm just going to read a passage from psalm 33 and uh this won't be long but it's hopefully some thoughts to help us Psalm 33 says this, the king is not saved by his great army, a warrior is not delivered by his great strength, the war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might it cannot rescue, behold the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his steadfast love. Let's pray. Father, um, we don't want to just move on from such wonderful testimonies. And God, we don't want to um, uh, we don't forget how amazingly encouraging it is and how unusual it is to have people of that age express such a passion for you. Father, that is not every day. But we are grateful that we are experiencing that today in this place. Young people that love you, that have got to know you. It's wonderful. And Father, we pray that even as we share your word, that you would continue to encourage us by the truth of it. That you would continue to hem us in with it. You would continue to protect us through it, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So this passage, uh, which is written by uh, King David, uh, really, I mean, today we don't deal with uh, armies and, and warriors and war horses, but I think we get the point. We get the point. The king is not saved by his great army. Whether the army is big or not is not what saves the king. He's not saved by it, but if, he's, but, but if he's not wise, he can put his hope in it. Our nature leads us to think that size makes a difference. So if I have a big army, if I have lots of friends, if I have lots of money, if I have lots of intelligence, that those things could save me. Somebody prayed right earlier on in our worship um, that that our, our intelligence isn't where we can put our hope. Some of you have great intelligence. There's a danger that you could put hope into that. Our nature leads us to think those things, that we can rely upon those things for our salvation, for our rescue, for our help, for our needs. Despite the fact, the Bible's been around for many years and it's full of stories to the contrary. The Bible is full of stories to the contrary that, that your, the size of your army, the size of your bank balance, the, the number of friends that you have, the number of followers that you have on Instagram or whatever it is you do, the num- doesn't mean anything. The Bible is full of stories to the contrary of that. There's one story in the Bible very well known. A number of people have mentioned it here just in the last few weeks. The story of Gideon who had an army of 22,000 men. He was going to fight his enemies with an army of 22,000 men. And you would have thought, okay, he must stand a chance. There's a lot of people. That's a big army. If I was in that army, I would look around and part of my bravery and courage would come from the numbers. That's often how we are. It's, oh, it's the numbers. That's going to help me. Look how, look how many people there are. God says to Gideon, do you know what I'm going to do, Gideon? I'm going to reduce your army. And I'm going to reduce it so that it's so small that it becomes so obvious to everyone around that you could not have won that battle on your own. And he takes the 22,000 and he reduces it to 300. Now, it's interesting. I've just said that I would look around and simply the numbers themselves would help me. And yet, when the army asked, he who trembles with fear may leave, 20,000 people leave. Yeah? So it's not like they were brave. Yeah? Their bravery was the fact that, oh, well, he's here and he's here. The king is not sci- saved by the size of his army. It's important for us as a church to hear that because we're not going through necessarily a, a a straightforward time at the moment. We've got a lot of things going on and we're not a big church. But we are not saved by our size. It's not the size of the church right now that counts. Secondly, David says in this passage in Psalms, a warrior is not delivered by his great strength. Now, again, I, I don't know about you, I used to have some friends, and there's one or two guys in the church who were really big and burly, yeah? I used to have some friends, big and burly. In fact, my best friend in my late teens was a guy who used to box. So when I went out with him, I was like, yeah, I'm cool, yeah, I'm cool. Why am, why am I cool I'm not called cool because I was particularly strong. I'm cool because Derek was big and strong. Yeah? So you didn't hassle me, or you may hassle me, but I've got Derek. Yeah? And so Derek made me feel cool. Yeah? And he was a good friend. Now, the fact that Derek really was very soft it didn't, didn't matter to me. He was big. Yeah? And so if you came, it would be Derek. Yeah? He was, he was very soft, actually. Uh, But he was very big. When David took on Goliath, Goliath was a seasoned warrior and David was a boy. That in itself was a bit of a, a, a contrast between them. But more than that, Goliath was huge. And had you seen David and Goliath match up on the battlefield, the last thing you would have imagined was David could win. You'd be thinking, has he got a gun or what's he going to do? How is David going to beat Goliath? David is five foot nothing. Goliath is nine foot tall or whatever it is. But the Bible says a warrior is not delivered by his great strength. And we know David did not fight Goliath on his strength. It wasn't like he himself thought to himself, right, I've got to just do some more press-ups, I've got to do some stuff here, because if I'm going to take him... No, he didn't worry about that. That wasn't why he was fighting, or that, didn't, that wasn't how he fought Goliath. But the Philistines, who Goliath was a part of, relied on his strength. And they relied on the fact that his size cast fear into their enemies. In the same way, I relied on the fact that Derek was big and strong, and that I could kind of stand behind him, and I could walk into the pub and I. Oh, well, yeah. They relied on him. So when Goliath was defeated, they're all defeated. The problem when you put your hope or trust in things other than God is those things often that they're not designed to carry it. So they don't. Your intelligence was never designed to be the thing that you put your hope in. So when you put your hope in it, you'll soon discover, oh, it doesn't quite do it. The war horse is a false hope For salvation. When this passage was written, um, horses were a sign of strength. They were a sign of power. They were a sign of, um, I I, I suppose, of of, of powerful armies, of might. The war horse. Because not everyone had a horse. So if you and your army had horses and the, the people you were fighting didn't have horses, you had a huge advantage over them. Huge advantage because horses were strong and powerful. But as this passage says, if you put your hope in the horse, it's a false hope. If you put your hope in your own strength, it's a false hope. If you put your hope in your friends, it's a false hope. If you really want to be rescued... If you really want to be saved, if you really want life to change, even as those guys talked about change in their lives, and what was interesting about the way they spoke, you didn't get any impression of striving. Yeah, It wasn't like it was like, now I've got to really try hard. I'm trying to be good. No, you didn't pick that up. Yeah, Because in the end, their hope is not in anything that they can do. And our hope is not in anything that we can do. Don't put your hope in something that will never deliver. Intelligence is good. Money money can be good. All those things can be good. But when you put your hope in them, they become bad. Because they were never designed for that. And how do you know if your hope is in your money? How do you know if your hope is in your intelligence? Yeah? You know, because when things that you put your mind to don't work, you get kind of fearful. You begin to struggle. You begin, oh my goodness. When you realize, oh my money, I don't know, I, don't, I haven't got enough money. How am I going to do it? The moment you begin to rely on those things, you begin. To, it begins to feel, you begin to feed it. If your hope is in size, and your church goes from 1,000 people to 20 people, If your hope is in size, that will become obvious because you'll struggle. If your hope is in God, I'm not saying you are just twiddle your thumbs, yeah? But you'll know where you're leaning. You're leaning a different place. The Bible makes this point so many times. And as I said, today we don't speak of armies and war warriors and horses, but we know the point. We can be prone to put our hopes in things that will ultimately not save us. We are prone to that. We are drawn to that. And sometimes we're even drawn to get muddled and think that, oh, God gave me this money, God gave me this intelligence which he did, and so suddenly that becomes my reason for putting my hope in it, which we shouldn't. As a local church, we are walking through these these days with uh, Emma and Hannah and James, the loss of Emma's husband and the loss of their father. We are walking through them. We are supporting them as best we can. It's possible to wonder How are we going to be able to do that? We're running the Alpha course. We're running a number of other things. How are we going to be able to do it? We are not big enough. We are not strong enough. We don't have all the resources to make it work. But this passage reminds us size, strength and resource are not where you place your hope. We must hear that. Because if you place your hope in the church you will be sorely let down. If you place your hope in God, your hope can stay for eternity. The passage says this, Behold, the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his steadfast love. In the NIV it says, those whose hope is in his unfailing love. When we look at ourselves, our circumstances, we see difficulties, questions, pain, and suffering. However, when we look to God and his unfailing love, when we reach to him, when we behold his face, we can have real hope. Because hope is not based on anything that we ourselves can achieve. Hope is not lucky Oh, I'm really, I just, I just hope it works out. No, hope is not lucky. Hope is about trusting. Hope is where I put my trust, really. God has proved time and time again that we can't rely on earthly things. It's a false hope, but we can rely on Him. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording.